0: Progressive News Network, uh, our Sunday show. Uh, I welcome you. We also have a companion show, the Environmental Justice Report. Okay, let me start over again. It's Sunday. I'm tired. So, once again, welcome to Progressive News Network here on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Janine Moloff. I am the producer and host. Um, We have, I think, a very interesting show today, and it's also very timely. As you know, this past week, the Republicans finally elected a new Speaker of the House. And I have to at least congratulate even the corporate media because they did cover a few facts about the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, who has only been in Congress for seven years. Uh, Mike Johnson has been credited as being one of the lead intellectual leaders of the January 6th insurrection. And the effort to basically allow Congress to throw out the electors, essentially throw out our votes so that the Republicans you know basically could put Trump electors and put his Majesty on the throne. So our story today is all about Mike Johnson. Before that we have a set of, we have another story. So our first story. Okay, let me back up here a little bit. Our first story is about a Republican plan to, you need to sit down for this one, criminalize all forms of birth control. I I kid you not. And religious fundamentalists, the new Speaker of the House is a religious fundamentalist, by the way, Um, Speaker Mike Johnson, they are determined to force their beliefs on everyone else. So... You know, essentially the fight about abortion was really about ending any reproductive choices for women, period. So the first story is actually about this Republican plan to criminalize all forms of birth control. I kid you not. Um, And it ties in with Supreme Court rulings. The second story is, yes, about outing uh, the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. Make the mistake about it. Mike Johnson is every bit as extreme as Donald Trump and Mike Flynn and um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you name it. He just has better manners. Don't be fooled by it. Now, Mike Johnson does like to pray for people, but it's not because he wishes those of us who are not white enough and Christian, he doesn't wish us well. But it just, it, it's just a nice little, you know, facade. Um, Mike Johnson really despises democracy. As I said a few minutes ago, he was one of the people that led the intellectual charge in an am- what's called an amicus brief that demanding that the electoral college results just be tossed. Mike Johnson was a state legislature in his home state of Louisiana before he made it to be a congressman in the United States Congress. And while he was a member of the Louisiana legislature, he um, sponsored legislation which would essentially grant legal impunity, legal immunity that is, to businesses, groups, and even individuals who discriminate against groups they don't like, especially the LGBTQ community. Uh, So this bill, it's on the grounds of religious liberty, these businesses and groups could discriminate, face no civil action whatsoever, They could discriminate against the LGBTQ community with legal immunity. So let me kind of back up here a little bit. So Mike Johnson, honestly, in my opinion, he represents the rebranding of fascism with a smiley face. His ties to other extremist groups that use uh, lawyers willing to, pardon the pun, sell their uh, groups such as Alliance Defending Freedom, which we've talked about before on this show, and they're well-established. So this story, finally, is truly about the schism that occurs when one alleged constitutional right clashes with the rights of others and other constitutional rights. In this instance, the last question asked today is, when does your right, somebody's right to religious liberty cross over to violate somebody else's free speech rights? right to privacy or you know right to even exist to pretend that religion is you know not anti-democratic is ludicrous of course it's anti-democratic okay so and then of course we will have the musical stylings of Randy rainbow and yes our jackass of the week award and this week it's a twofer because the person that has been awarded our jackass of the week award is also the subject of Randy Rainbow's musical repartee, shall we say. So let's start with uh, story number one, Get a little tea here. So this first story, um, you know, takes place in Michigan. Okay? And this is a story, it was written by Tom Hartman, who is a phenomenal journalist, and it's from his, uh, <clears throat> his site called the Hartman Report. And it was published October twentieth this year twenty three and the headline is, "What will Americans do when birth control is illegal?" And the subheadline is quote, "Are Republicans warming up the jail cells they want to put they want to put American women into who have the temerity to continue using birth control after the GOPs bans take effect Good question so. This is about precedent that the past Supreme Court's, okay, you know, most people, they're aware of Roe, but Roe was built on other decisions, all right? The right to birth control came before Roe, and the right to birth control, as well as as Roe, as well as the right to, um, you know, be gay, all right, those were all built on a right to privacy, which they are attacking, and, you know back when the Dobbs decision was just being considered, I kept warning people, even if you're not like totally pro-abortion, let's say you believe to save a woman's life or something, whatever, there's a lot of men that needed to be concerned too because the Roe decision was based on carving out an implied right to privacy. When Roe was overturned, they essentially said or implied that there is no right to privacy. And that basically, it's like the domino effect, attacks a lot of other decisions based on that same right. Now, you have to understand, you know, conservatives, they love, I believe it's the Tenth Amendment, Tenthers, okay? And they are the people that believe, well, it's states' rights, okay? So I'm going to go here and make sure I'm correct, okay? The Tenth Amendment is basically saying that all right you know if it's if it's a right and it's not given to it's not listed in the Constitution and given directly to the federal government, then it either goes to the state or then to the people and that became the state's rights idea and conservatives love it because it lets these i'm just going to call them neo what they are neo confederate states full of Christian fundamentalists I'm not going to call them nationalists They're fundamentalists um you know, and a lot of other bigots that they want the state, they want to control the state and they don't want the pesky feds coming in and telling them, oh, no, 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 you have to actually follow a law that's just. You know, these people, you know, want to be able to discriminate with legal impunity. And so conservative lawyers and conservative law firms, they love the Tenth Amendment. They're, they call themselves Tenthers. But they forgot about the Ninth Amendment. And this is all relevant. The Ninth Amendment was added in 1791 and it basically says that if a right isn't specifically listed in the constitution that that right still belongs to the people and that there's a host of rights that even though they're not mentioned in the constitution still are rights that the people have which really opens up the idea of you know granting more rights to you know to other people that weren't included in the original constitution. Okay? And, you know, the Ninth Amendment specifically says, quote, the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. In other words, just because it wasn't listed specifically in this one document that was first ratified in seventeen what, uh, seventeen seventy eight, something like that, doesn't mean 1787, excuse me, doesn't mean that that right doesn't exist. It does. Okay? So, again, um, but the originalists won't have it. So what does this have to do with what's going on in Michigan? Well, these originalists are tearing apart precedent. So this was last year. There were three candidates in the Republican race for the Michigan Attorney General's Office. And all three of them you know, basically said that they, quote, believe the 1965 Supreme Court case Griswold v. Connecticut was wrongly decided on privacy grounds and that it was an infringement on the state's rights to imprison women regardless of marital status who used birth control, end quote. This is from Tom Hartman. Okay, I'm going to read that again. So all that talk about the Ninth Amendment and the Tenth Amendment and all that stuff, what I'm really saying is these Republican... Christian fundamentalists are attacking all these other rights by saying that, well, there was no right to privacy specifically mentioned in the Constitution, so therefore, whether it exists or not is depending on the states, and if the state says, no, it doesn't happen, the feds can't do anything about it. And that's how they dismantle the right to use birth control as well as the right for gay people to have gay relations, and so on and so forth. You get the idea. I'm going to read this again. This is from Tom Hartman. Quote, last year, all three candidates in the Republican race for Michigan Attorney General proudly confirmed that they believe the 1965 Supreme Court case, Griswold v. Connecticut, was wrongly decided on privacy grounds and that it was an infringement on a state's right to imprison women, regardless of marital status, who use birth control. And Hartman says, yes, birth control, end quote. Okay. Hartman goes on to say, quote, each described himself as a Christian and implied his opposition to Griswold was grounded in his religious faith, end quote. Now my question, and <coughs> I get a little pee here, my question is this. Since when does one person's religious faith give them the right to dictate to others? Now if you want to argue that, well, you think birth control ends, I mean, if you want to argue that abortion, you know, ends uh, a life all right we might argue that one but birth control for pre- preventing pregnancies it's not hurting anybody but they are trying to force their way on others you have to understand the history behind this and a lot of people forgotten the original decision that allowed women and men not just women women and men to use birth control was decided in Griswold v Connecticut and In 1965, but 100 years before that, Connecticut, heavily Catholic, um, according to Hartman, quote, it had been a crime punishable by imprisonment for a married couple to possess any form of birth control, end quote. Let that sink in for a minute. So Griswold, her name was Estelle Griswold. She was the head of Connecticut's Planned Parenthood, and she sued to overturn that state law in Connecticut. And... The court agreed. They said a couple's, quote, right to privacy in their bedroom can't be violated, okay? And the 19th, and and so that's what the Supreme Court said in Griswold v. Connecticut. Now that was in 1965. In 1972, the Supreme Court ruled further in a case called Eisenstadt v. Baird that you had a right to use birth control also if unmarried. Now, keep in mind, these two decisions apply to couples. It applies to men as much as it does women. And, yes, it does include condoms. Okay? Get real. Because these religious fundamentalists, and in this instance they're Christian fundamentalists, I'm just going to put it bluntly, they're nut jobs. Okay? They want to punish people for having consensual sex, not only outside of marriage, but outside of procreation and nothing else. And they're nuttier than a fruitcake, I'm just going to say it, in my opinion, and they're entitled to, if they have free speech rights and they're entitled to call us apostates and call us evil, then I can call them insane, because they are. All right, so, and in the Eisenstadt decision, the court, the Supreme Court went a little further. So this is a decision that legalized, in 1972, the Supreme Court, quote, legalized possession of birth control for unmarried men and women in the Eisenstadt v. Bayer decision. So Griswold allowed birth control to be used for by a married couple. So after Griswold, if you got caught having premarital sex or if you were unmarried, whatever, and you had birth control, you'd still face criminal penalties, okay? But then the Eisenstadt case came along, and that cleared the way for unmarried men and women, okay? And how did they do this? The the Eisenstadt decision looked at the 14th Amendment due process clause, okay? And it was basically, once again, saying the 14th Amendment's due process clause basically guarantees legal process before the government can violate your privacy. Makes sense. Okay? So then in 1973, a year later, comes the Roe decision, again, based on the right to privacy. And the court is basing this on legal precedent. Um, again, in other words, the government can't deprive you of your liberty and arrest you without due process, and that includes what you do privately. Keep in mind, if these Republican conservatives are allowed to basically unravel what's left of a right to privacy, it won't just be about birth control. It'll be about anything. It means that the cops could knock down your door theoretically and do anything to you in the privacy for going home, and you have no rights. Make no mistake about it. And these religious fundamentalists, these Christian fundamentalists in particular, yes, they are that dangerous. You know, don't be fooled by their I'll pray for you crap. Okay? I don't need their prayers. I don't want their damn prayers. I want them to live and let live and mind their own damn business. Okay? So, uh, and so the Roe decision legalized abortion because of the right to privacy. That was in 1973. Then, you also as the Supreme Court, based on the, based on the right to privacy through the 14th Amendment, once again, the court support, legalized being gay, and that decision was Obergefell v. Hodges. Okay? Then in 2015, it went a step further, and the Supreme Court legalized gay relationships, in other words, and gay marriage. Okay? I take it back. Ober, Obergefell was in, let me back up here, Obergefell. Ah! All right, the right, I'm sorry, folks. Okay, the right to privacy legalizing gay relationships was in Lawrence v. Texas in 2003. The gay, the, the Supreme Court legalizing gay marriage was in Obergefell v. Hodges in 2015. Okay. And, you know, it's a shame this had to go all the way to the Supreme Court because as far as I'm concerned, you know, cons- consensual sexual relationships between... Legal adults are no one else's business. That's it. And as for gay marriage, well, gay people as citizens, they have the same right to marriage as anyone else. Now I can understand if, for instance, these religious extremists try and say they don't want to be, they don't want their pastors to be forced to perform gay wedding ceremonies. They don't have to because religions are private organizations. But civil marriage exists, it's no different than if a Jew and a Catholic wanted to get married and the Jew didn't want to convert to Catholicism, newsflash. You either go to a reformed Jewish temple or you get a civil marriage, no big deal. But you know, once again, these were the decisions, all these decisions were based on this carved out right to privacy through the 14th Amendment's Due Process Clause. But in Michigan, this is not by accident, okay, this, this is all very orchestrated. Um, And it isn't just Michigan Republicans. Um, We get back to specifically Clarence Thomas. Keep in mind, this is the Supreme Court justice that has it's proven, has been on the take. He has accepted bribe after bribe after bribe. You know, he not only should be kicked off the court for corruption, but he actually should face criminal charges because that's influence peddling. That's accepting a bribe still illegal. This idea that the court can regulate itself nonsense. But in Clarence Thomas, when the Dobbs decision, which basically overthrew Roe, eliminated the right to abortion, Clarence Thomas attacked any right to privacy. Okay? In fact, here's what Clarence Thomas wrote from that decision. Quote, the resolution of this case is thus straightforward because the due process clause of the Fourteenth Amendment does not secure any substantive rights. It does not secure a right to abortion. For that reason, in future cases, we should reconsider all of this court's substantive due process precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence, Obergefell. End quote. Clarence Thomas is saying right there we should we should not only reconsider. He's really saying we should kick out all this precedent and take away all these rights that were carved out through this right to privacy. So not only would men and women lose the, if Clarence Thomas had his way, not only would men and women lose the right to use birth control, now that abortion is illegal as well, but they would also lose the right to use birth control, men and women. They, gay people would, gay gay behavior would once again be a criminal offense. Gay marriage would be gone. Okay. And it's, you know, so basically, according to Thomas Hartman, quote, in other words, bring back the power of states to criminalize birth control, gay sex, and outlaw gay marriage, end quote. Okay. And that's what these states' rights jerks want. All right. Keep in mind, leading up to the Civil War and then throughout. The Confederates wanted states' rights because each state was like its own little country. And they didn't have to, and that was the way they held on to slavery. They didn't have to acknowledge federal law, essentially. Okay? They could disregard that Bill of Rights, or so they thought. Now, Thomas Hartman goes on to point out the hypocrisy of Clarence Thomas when he writes, quote, interestingly, the only other big case in other words, Supreme Court, decided based on this rationale, in other words, you know, based on the right to privacy, quote, was Loving v. Virginia, which struck struck down state laws against interracial marriage. Thomas, a black man married to a white woman, chose not to name that one, end quote. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And, of course, you've got some Republican nutjobs chiming in. You've got Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn, again, representing a southern state. Um, She told her peers on the Senate Judiciary Committee that, quote, I'm going to try and sound like a constitutionally unsound rulings like Griswold v. Connecticut confused Tennesseans and left Congress wondering who gave the court permission to bypass our system of checks and balances, end quote. Well, I I was about to say I hate to... You know disagree with blackburn i don't hate i love to disagree with marsha blackburn um not only is she thoroughly incompetent to hold the office she has but she's wrong okay states don't have checks and balances okay we have a federal system which means it's federalism that means that federal law supersedes state law period But, you know, what can you expect from Marsha Blackburn, who's, I believe she does have a college degree in fashion. So I'm sure she knows how to accessorize things, but that's about all she knows. Again, I'm being facetious, but now there were a few Democrats last year in 2022 that tried to do the right thing. So Senator Ed Markey, who's a Democrat from Massachusetts, introduced legislation in the Senate that would, quote, enshrine the Griswold, Lawrence, and Obergefell decisions in federal law by establishing a federal right to privacy, end quote. Now, what happened with that? Well, the bill passed the House because at that time there were still enough Democrats to do so. It had enough votes to pass the Senate, but because the Senate rules are so archaic, you know, the, the filibuster is a good example. They also have this other archaic rule in the Senate where any single senator who objects to unanimous consent can start that filibuster. Unanimous consent is where everybody says, yeah, we all agree, boom, it's done. And who was that senator? Senator Joni Ernst, Republican of Iowa. You know, the lady who likes to castrate male pigs. Do you not see the irony there? I mean, like, lady, you hate birth control, but apparently you're practicing because you're castrating male pigs. You know, but she's doing the four-legged variety. There's several male pigs of the two-legged varieties, like like, Get let's sharpen those knives. Get them going. I'm joking, of course. So that was last summer, July 28, 2022. And you think, okay, are there some Republicans that are at least more moderate? And one of them that you haven't heard of much is Senator John Cornyn. Now, he is from Texas, or as I say, Texas. The mispronunciation is very, you know, very um, intended. Now, Cornyn is like, I think, either number two, I know he's number three in terms of seniority in the U.S. Senate. He actually wields a lot of power, but he hides in the background. But this time, Yenta had to speak up, and here's what Senator Cornyn said. Quote, coming to the floor and listening to some of my colleagues talk about their concern for lack of access to contraception, reminds me of the old story about the little boy who cried wolf. He cried wolf when there wasn't any danger, and then once there was danger, people didn't come to his aid because they thought it was another phony crying wolf. I can understand our colleagues, given inflation, given crime, given the broken borders, wanting to change the subject to something else, but this is all this is. This is mere posturing pre-November, pre-midterm elections. This isn't about changing the law because the law already permits ready access. Contraceptives. End quote. Okay, now one thing I have to let you know: John Cornyn is a licensed attorney. In fact, he's practiced constitutional law, so he knows better. He knows what he's saying is a pile of bullshit. All right, it is not mere posturing. The only way with a hostile Supreme Court that we can protect, and with with Republicans that are determined to say if. A right isn't listed in the original Constitution of 1787. It doesn't exist. Only way to do that is to create a new law enshrining the right to privacy. And he knows that. You know, Marsha Blackburn, yeah, she's an idiot. John Cornyn's no idiot. He has practiced and I believe taught constitutional law. He knows better. But, you know, again. You know, uh, even though I'm technically a boomer, I feel like saying, okay, boomer. This is really barbaric. Now, the bill died at the hands of the Republican filibuster that began with Joni Ernst. Okay? This is not by accident. Okay? It, It truly isn't. Now, This goes on and on and on. So, for instance, um, a few weeks ago, David Kirkpatrick wrote a piece in the New Yorker, according to Hartman, and he profiled Alan Sears. Now, Alan Sears is the head of the Alliance Defending Freedom, which is behind the Dobbs decision, behind the Masterpiece Cake decision, all this nonsense. Um, Now, Alliance Defending Freedom would have you believe that there are this this David against this huge liberal Goliath, and nothing could be further from the truth. Alliance Defending Freedom has big money behind it. The group, according to the article, has a yearly budget of about $100 million. They have over 70 lawyers. They've won 14 Supreme Court and other cases, including, and I'm reading straight from this now, quote, overturning Roe v. Wade. Two, letting employers refuse to pay for health insurance that covers birth control. Three, Allowing a baker to refuse to make a cake for a same-sex wedding. Four, blowing up some pandemic-related masking, vaccine, and other requirements. Eviscerating federal transparency requirements for nonprofit donors. Six, gutting federal regulations on religious organizations' use of federal money. And seven, outlawing the abortion pill mifepristone, and that one's being appealed. <coughs> now, according to Tom Hartman, Hartman thinks the most uh, the most Gary, part of the article is when Sears, who's the head, you know, the head of Alliance Defending Freedom, Mr. Sears, tells the journalist, quote, we are on a winning trajectory. It may be that one day will come when people say the birth control pill was a mistake, end quote. This is about enslaving women to their own biology. Nothing more. Nothing more. Okay. Now, earlier this year, Tom Hartman goes on to profile that the Republican Attorney General of Iowa, um, somebody named Brenna Bird, quote, suspended payments for emergency contraception for rape victims. That is really, sh- that's crappy. Then you have another is- instance here, and we talked about it, I believe, was either a week or two weeks ago. The Idaho legislature, two years ago, made it a crime for people anyone who worked in a state-funded student health center, not just student health center, but really you know in any state funded university at all, um, in the colleges to it's a crime to discuss abortion with their patients or to distribute plan B emergency contraception. And we talked about that where you know in Idaho you can get 14 years in prison for even discussing abortion. Maybe you're not even advocating it doesn't matter, okay? Now, a year ago, a little moron Lauren Boebert tried to bar, quote, all federal funds for abortion-facient contraceptive drugs, Um, you know, end quote. You know, I had some colleagues that were very conservative Catholics, and they considered so many things abortion-facient, okay? You know, if it stopped the egg from being fertilized, it was an abortion-facient, Okay. Again, they're entitled to their opinions, but I'm entitled to mine, and they're nuts. Okay, I'm not even going to play this game anymore. You also, let's see, I think this was also in, where I'm not sure what this, Republican, rant, most, I'm going to skip that one. All right, so these are all religious arguments, though. And while religious people, especially religious fundamentals, while they have a right to religious liberty, their right to religious liberty does not extend to deny other people their rights. Put bluntly. Okay? So now, you know, this gets even more interesting. Tom Hartman talked about a personal meeting he and his wife had back in 1998 with then Pope John Paul II. And they were in a group with, like some other two dozen VIPs. all, All these people had been invited to the Pope's summer palace, something called Castel Gandolfo you know, to hear a concert, and even have a few private moments in an audience with the Pope. Again, Hartman writes, quote, Watching all the pomp and ceremony, it struck me that if that man were to just say a few words, for example, kill all the Muslims, it could plunge the world into war and turn civilization on its head. In fact, several of his predecessors had done just that, kicking off the Crusades hundreds of years earlier. This was a head-spinning level of political power. Okay. Um, I'm just going to read from this now. Okay, so Hartman goes on to say, directly from his article, quote, when we met privately with him later that evening, it had all been, uh, I mean, it had all the trappings of a visit up to a head of state. The power was palpable and the security as tight as I'd experienced when, and the security was as tight as I'd experienced when dining with Obama and Putin. The day before we went up to Castel Gandolfo, one of the Pope's personal assistants gave Louise and me a private tour of the Vatican. The art, gold, and wealth were astonishing. This is more than a church. It's an actual nation state, complete with a seat at the United Nations where they can weigh in on decisions around family planning. Okay, end quote. So, you know, again, this is Tom Hartman. Right? He's writing his own experience again back in 1998. Hartman goes on to say, quote, here in the U.S., the Catholic Church Lobbies aggressively on a variety of fronts during the pandemic, according to the AP (Associated Press). That effort brought it more than a billion with a B billion dollars in federal money, and one in seven hospitals in the U.S. is Catholic-owned and thus unwilling to provide birth control or perform abortions. Just <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> just a few years before our visit to Rome, John Paul II had said that the Church was unalterably opposed to quote all propaganda and misinformation directed at persuading couples that they must limit their family to one or two children, end quote. So it gets worse though. Tom Hartman goes on to say in <coughs> reading, seven years earlier I'd been in Bogota, Colombia and met with the Archbishop Bishop of Bogota. <coughs>
1: Excuse
0: me. Oh boy.
1: <coughs>
0: Sorry folks. <coughs> Give me a second. <coughs> All of a sudden, all right, back to this, okay, so Tom Hartman again, quote, seven years earlier, I'd been in Bogota, Colombia, and met with the Archbishop of Bogota, Mario Cardinal Ravallo Bravo, at his headquarters, the Cathedral Basilica of the Immaculate Conception, a massive church and building structure off Bolivar Square. I was then doing relief work for Salem International out of Germany, and we'd been offered an abandoned church property down near Medellin to house homeless people. A Colombian-German co-worker, Elizabeth, accompanied me to serve as a translator, although we soon discovered the archbishop spoke fluent English. He goes on to say, quote, when we determined that the property in Medellin wasn't appropriate for our needs. Elizabeth and I made an appointment to meet with the Archbishop. He kept us waiting for several hours, and then we were ushered into a huge space, converted from a wing of an old Spanish church to meet him. He goes on to say, quote, The massive room was filled with ancient art and stained glass windows, and the Archbishop sat on a huge carved chair resembling a throne. I got off to a bad start as he extended his hand, apparently expecting me to kiss his ring. But being Protestant, I instead shook his hand. He looked offended and didn't bother to extend it to Elizabeth, who he merely scowled at and then ignored. Hartman goes on to say, quote, I thanked him for the possibility of the land in Medellin and told him it wouldn't work for us, but we appreciated his consideration and looked forward to working closely with the church in the future uh, uh, on our project in Columbia and the region. He said a few words <clears throat> about how there were so many street children and all help was appreciated. This is where it gets really shows the hypocrisy. Okay, Elizabeth, remember, is the translator, and again, Hartman's there. They are trying to set up a way to house homeless children in war-torn Colombia. Okay, and this is supposed to be a religious leader. Hartman goes on to, you know, so again, the guy, you know, the cardinal says, "There's so many street children, all help is appreciated." And then Hartman goes on to say, quote, at which point Elizabeth, standing to my side and a step behind me, spoke up very simply and gently asking him what he thought of the possibility of some sort of special dispensation. She was speaking in Spanish, and I didn't get all the nuance. Some sort of special dispensation for people who worked in family planning or even pharmacists and drugstore owners so they wouldn't fear going to hell if they sold condoms or other means of birth control. Quote, the lack of birth control in Colombia, she said, was one of the things driving the epidemic of homeless children who were then taking over parts of Bogota and Medellin. I'm going to say that again. So what Elizabeth said. Quote, the lack of birth control in Colombia was one of the things driving the epidemic of homeless children, homeless children, who were then taking over entire parts of Bogota and Medellin. So how did this cardinal react? According to Tom Hartman, quote, his face turned red and the muscles bunched around his jaw and neck. His thinning hair seemed to bristle. He refused to look at Elizabeth and instead turned to me, let turned to the man, pushing his right index finger into my face and pounding his left fist on the arm of the throne, shouting angrily, I had not seen somebody become, become so furious so fast in years. In English, he shouted the words to the effect of, Quote, this population explosion is all the fault of women. It began with Eve, the original deceiver of the first man. They know when they're fertile and when they're not. They must learn to be chaste and control themselves. End quote. And he was just trembling with rage. Okay. This is the compassion of a cardinal. Lack of compassion. He has to go and blame women. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. No, I don't let anybody poke me in the face. Okay, that's just... And so Hartman went on to write, quote, at the end of the day, it's all about the power. Power of men over women, power of the state over the individual. Hartman goes on to say, quote, and for the anti-birth control religious fanatics, power of their church over the state and by extension over the rest of us. And it's true. Okay? It's true. So... And it may not stop there. Hartman goes on to point out that, you know, there are already Texas counties that have authorized the police to stop cars. Cars that they are transporting women that might be traveling to other states for abortion. So if you're a young woman woman of a certain age in Texas, in certain counties, what, they're going to stop you and demand your medical status? Good Lord. Okay. And Ann's article by saying, you know, they won't stop until, quote, they are warming up the jail cells they want to put American women into who have the temerity to continue using them, you know, words, birth control, after GOP bans take effect. Okay? So that's our first story. I hope you learned something from it. I am going to put on a little, um, kind of little cheer, whatever, while I get ready for the next story. <clears throat> and we're back. Our second story. Drum roll, please. Boom. Okay. I got to get a kazoo and some other, like, I don't know, things for sound effects here. Just playful today. All right. The new Republican Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. To say that Mr. Johnson from Louisiana is a religious fundamentalist bigot is an understatement. Do not be fooled by... Has outwardly pleasant demeanor and better manners. There's nothing good about this guy. He is every bit as extreme as Marjorie Taylor Greene, Paul Gosar, and all the rest of the neo-Nazis. Except this guy, it's fascism with a smiley face, and it's all based in the church. You know, there is a phenomenal journalist that used to be a major stringer at the New York Times as well as in Newsweek. His name's Chris Hedges. And Hedges very famously said something about fascism. Let me see if I can get that. I didn't think about it. Something about it being wrapped in a cross. So give me a second here. I know. Sorry about that. Give me a second. A great quote, though. Uh, let's see now. Where is it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It will. Somebody will be wrapped in a cross and a flag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Maybe it wasn't him. Maybe it was Sinclair Lewis. Let's see now. Mm -hmm. Might have been Sinclair Lewis. I take that back. My bad. Okay. It's kind of hard to see, so I have to use my magnifier. Okay. Uh. But Hedges reiterated it. It basically was something like, quote, when fascism comes to America, it will be wrapped in the flag and carrying a cross. And by George, that's exactly what's happening. So let's talk about Mike Johnson. Okay, first of all, he's only been in the U.S. Congress for seven years. He was in the, his home state of Louisiana in their legislat- legislature as well for several years. But before that, He was an attorney who did the culture wars, sometimes the contractor, whatever for. Guess what? Alliance defending freedom. So there's this piece that's about eh, 36 hours old that was in. um, Let's see now. Sorry, folks. Mother Jones. Okay. And it's uh, the headline is Mike Johnson's long flirtation with Christian nationalism. The new speaker has a lengthy association with far-right activism, and it's written by Madison Polly. Okay, and so it brings up a history of when first Mike Johnson was in the Louisiana state legislature, uh, and they're talking about uh, a man named Bruce Parker, who um, was an advocate for the LGBTQ community. This was uh, so. I'm just going to read, quote, Bruce Parker remembers a time when he used to talk to the new Republican Speaker of the House, Representative Mike Johnson, several times a week. It was the spring of 2015, just weeks before the Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage, and Johnson, then a freshman representative in the Louisiana State Legislature, had proposed a bill forbidding state government from taking adverse, what he called adverse action, against anyone who acted based on, quote, a religious belief or moral conviction about the institution of marriage, end quote. So this is basically a get out of a lawsuit free card to discriminate, you know, with legal impunity. Now, Parker has been a longtime advocate for LGBTQ rights, and he was lobbying against Johnson's bill. The bill was, you can look it up yourself, was titled the Marriage and Conscience Act. Um, And so... Yes, queer and progressive state interest groups, they saw a license to discriminate um, because it is. Okay. But, you know, one of the things that Parker mentioned is kind of what other people have noticed is that even though he's work, trying to work with Johnson and what Johnson's doing with that bill is truly evil. Okay. You don't have to like gay people. You don't have to approve of what they're doing. But There are people, they have the same constitutional rights as any other person, okay? You know, civility is just that. That's what it is. No one's telling you to change your religious beliefs, but people like Johnson don't see it that way. But Parker noticed that, you know, Johnson was really nice. You know, Johnson called Parker his, quote, brother in Christ. Uh, Parker goes on to say, you know, about how he talked with Johnson, quote, we communicated constantly, enough that I felt a genuine personal affinity for him while he was doing something that could have been very bad for myself and my community, that's when I knew he was a very that he was a very talented politician. And I think that's terrifying. End quote. And it's true. I could say right now that if somebody like Mr. Johnson, Speaker Johnson, called me a sister in Christ, I I wouldn't take it. I would correct and say, No, sir, I'm a Jew. I don't want to be your sister in Christ because nothing that he's doing is Christian anyway. But you know, once again, this is that radical Christian fundamentalism that, you know, has nothing to do with what Jesus actually preached. Okay? So, and this is the true danger with somebody like Mike Johnson. He can charm his way through. Okay. He, to put it bluntly, his opinion, his attitude and what he wants to do Maybe a bit too far to say he's Hitler with a smiley face, so I'll just say he's Orban with a smiley face, okay? Now before Mike Johnson was even in the state legislature of Louisiana, according to this article, he spent years as an attorney and spokesperson for the Alliance Defending Freedom. Remember those people? Yeah. Now. there is another LGBTQ advocate in this article that's quoted, um, somebody named Matthew Patterson. Now, Patterson led what is now defunct LGBTQ advocacy, advocacy group called Equality Louisiana, and this was during the time Johnson served in the Louisiana state legislature. And according to Patterson, quote, Mike Johnson was, his career, quote, was about creating an environment where we didn't get to exist in public, end quote. That, that's that's evil, okay? I, I mean, I will never understand why so many alleged religious people hate the LGBTQ community so much. I, I mean, I, I don't get it. But you know what? Bigotry isn't rational, all right? It isn't. Um, I have a cousin. She has been married to her wife, God, I think it's over 40 years now. And I'm happy for her, you know, they're so, she found her beshared, her meant to be. And all I can say is, God bless, may they have another 40 years. Um, they're both wonderful. But, you know, once again, this is, you know, Mike Johnson, he was formed while well, he was still in school. Um, he, according to his article, quote, he entered the world of Christian conservative policymaking um, by volunteering for the Louisiana Family Forum while he was still in law school at Louisiana State University, okay. And the forum was a state affiliate of the Family Policy Alliance, which is a Christian nationalist advocacy network, and also fo- uh, founded by, um, you know, as far as I know, the Family Policy Alliance is a hate group, and if it's not, should be classified as one. Um, and What the Family Policy Network, according to this article, wants to do is, quote, unleash biblical citizenship by, quote, restoring our nation to one where God is honored, religious freedom flourishes, families thrive, and life is cherished, end quote. Okay. I don't want biblical citizenship. Okay? I mean, what I believe is my own business, what someone else believes is their business. I like secular law. All right? Because as a woman, any woman, even in the most liberal of, of religions, you're still at best maybe a second-class citizen. No woman can afford to be for any sort of theocratic movement. That's that's moronic. But Mike Johnson is such an extreme. As he and his wife Kelly, they became the poster cover poster couple. It is for what they call covenant marriage, which these the people that agree to covenant marriage to sign this contract, which makes it much harder to get a divorce. Okay, which I think is silly. Um, then by 2003, Johnson was working for another group that James Thompson helped form, the Alliance Defending Freedom. Um, and so, the ADF or Alliance Defending Freedom, they're they're the ones that write model bills. They're affiliate. They they work with Alex, but The ADF really pushes the whole religious fundamentalist thing, and they are pushing Christian. This writer says conservative Christian goals. Call it Christian fundamentalism. But they've won 15 Supreme Court cases, um, and you know they're very dangerous. Okay, this is a group that hates democracy. They just do. They hate equality. Make no mistake about it. Um, The Alliance Defending Freedom is also at the center you know, to push anti-trans laws, all right? I guess kids that are trans, they would rather these kids commit suicide. I don't know. Um, And they're the ones helping to spread lies about it. You know, nobody's doing trans surgery on little children. It's not happening, okay? According to this article here, quote, as a young ADF lawyer, Lies Defending Freedom, Johnson wrote columns for the Shreveport newspaper calling homosexuality, quote, inherently unnatural and dangerous, end quote. And that was as reported by CNN. Now there's some quotes here. Here's a quote by Johnson in an op-ed where he slammed the Supreme Court decision that overturned anti-sodomy laws, okay? Which is one of the, you know, one of the Supreme Court decisions that, you know, these religious nut jobs are trying to overthrow. According to Johnson, quote, states have many legitimate grounds to prescribe same-sex deviant conduct. Homosexuals are neither disadvantaged nor identified on the basis of immutable characteristics as all are capable of changing their abnormal lifestyles, end quote. Okay, he can believe what he likes, but how is somebody being gay dangerous? I don't understand that. Who cares? How how does that hurt anyone else? It doesn't. Now, I do have a theory about all this, all right? And the theory is that these fundamentalist groups, religious groups, they hate gay people because they see it as a way of reducing populations. And the reason why they want women to not use birth control and they don't want gay people being gay is so that they can reproduce and grow an army to take over. That's it. Uh, and basically push their theocracy on everyone else, you know, turning the clock back to what? The days, you know, when they burned witches? I mean, this is nutty. Okay? But that's just my opinion. Now, getting back to Johnson. Um when the Alliance Defending Freedom, according to this, organized a counter protest to the National Day of Silence, um, Johnson, um, now let me back up here, okay. So there was a group that did this National Day of Silence, and it's a school anti-LGBTQ bullying event. ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom, organized a counter protest, and Johnson wrote, and Johnson defended the group in the press by saying, quote, no one is for bullying and harassment, but that's cloaking their real message that homosexuality is good for society, end quote. Again, who cares? I, I mean, this is, this is about Mike Johnson wants theocracy. That's it. At a specific theocracy, Christian fundamentalist, where even, even Christians of color will not have the same rights. This is about white. Christian males dominate straight males dominating everything else, and no one else will have rights. It may sound crazy, but it's not crazy. These people are that dangerous. Um, Johnson fought some other legal battles. He defended Louisiana's ban on same-sex marriage in front of the state Supreme Court twice. Uh, according to the article, quote as, a singer, uh, sorry, quote, as a senior legal counsel at ADF, He tried to shut down an abortion clinic, and in 2013, he represented Louisiana Christian University in a lawsuit challenging an Obama administration's rule requiring employers to provide insurance coverage for emergency contraception, okay? End quote. This tells you where this guy is at. He wants women to be at the mercy of their own biology and nothing more. the next year, he ran unopposed, and he he basically got into Louisiana State Legislature. Um, Mr. Parker did help kill the Marriage and Conscience Act, but then Governor Bobby Jindal, you know, issued something that was very similar through an executive order. Now, the next year, Johnson was back, according to his quote, pushing a pastor protection act to ensure that pastors could deny marriages to same-sex couples. Again, the bill did not pass, okay, um, end quote. Now, you have to understand something. That whole argument is bogus, All right? Religious groups are private groups, and as such, they have their own rules, okay? And if they're in the public business, like a hospital, it's a different story. But when it comes to their own religious rules, you know, just as a Catholic church, again, can refuse to marry a Catholic and a Jew unless the Jew wants to convert, you know, they can refuse to marry a same-sex couple. But I know lots of couples that are either, you know, interfaith or interracial or gay couples that just go in and get a civil marriage or they find a pastor willing to do it. So nobody's forcing religious conservatives to marry people they don't want to marry. That's not happening. And Mr. Johnson, you know, he is a constitutional lawyer. He knows better. He knows he's selling lies and omissions. He knows that. Now, the other LGBTQ advocate, <coughs> Mr. Pastor, <coughs> described once, I mean Mr. Patterson that is, describes, quote, on a one to one basis. He can be very personable, but when he was state representative, he had a hard time getting people on board for a number of issues. Yes, he's an extremist, but extremism can be overcome if people are paying attention and willing to put the work to do it, put in the work to do it, end quote. So Mike Johnson served a single term in the Louisiana House, and then he got elected to the US Congress. But you have to understand he has maintained his connection to the Alliance Defending Freedom and the Dobson Network. So there's nothing here, okay? When the Supreme Court overturned Roe <coughs> with the Dobbs decision, <coughs> Mike Johnson tweeted, quote, the right to life has now been restored. Perform an abortion and get imprisoned at hard labor for one to ten years and fine ten thousand to one hundred K, end quote. There is no way this man can represent everyone. All right. You can be religious, but if you're, you know, the same argument was made when John Kennedy was president. The fear was, if he is a faithful Catholic, is he going to rule, is he going to follow the law as a Catholic or as a civil servant? And Kennedy assured everybody he would follow the secular law, and he did. This man, he's already said, you know, he thinks he's anointed, okay? He thinks <clears throat> he is Thank God. It's nonsense. Okay, and you know, the past year he has really become a force attacking the LGBTQ community on the federal level. In October 2022, quote, he filed a bill he called the Stop the Sexualization of Children Act, which would have banned discussion of quote any topic involving gender identity, gender dysphoria transgenderism, sexual orientation or related subjects, end quote, a federally funded institutions. <clears throat> no one's sexualizing children. Again, Mike Johnson is a constitutional lawyer. He knows better. He knows he's lying. But it's not the only lie he's told. Okay? Um, he also signed on to a bill by Marjorie Taylor Greene to block gender-affirming medical care for trans teens including puberty blockers and hormone treatments supported by all major medical associations considered life-saving for their mental health benefits, end quote. Okay. So the night after Johnson was elected speaker, according to this article, quote, Tony Perkins, president of Family Research Council, a D.C.-based evangelical lobbying group that works closely with ADF, sent a message to supporters calling Johnson's ascension a, quote, Remarkable display of God's grace and power, end quote. Okay. Again, Family Research Council, Tony Perkins, yes, hate groups. Huh? This is what he's about. All right, now, there's more, though. It isn't just about, you know, As this guy is really vile, okay, and there is much more. So we're going to take a little break here while I get refresh my tea, and I will be right back. Okay, and we're back. Now, this is a piece, um, hopefully I won't get too lost in it. Um, This is a piece that was run in the National Interest, and it was, doesn't list the reporter though, huh. The headline is, New Republican House Speaker Mike Johnson was mastermind of the January 6th plot. And I don't know how anybody who believes Stock the Steal was legitimate can then, you know, legislate and, and govern, you know, honestly, I don't think you can. Okay, so you remember seeing that scene where they presented Mike Johnson and you've got, you know, all these Republicans, you've got, you know, Lee Stephana grinning like a little Cheshire cat and, you know, and these all these white men and this little old lady standing there too and an ABC reporter named Rachel Scott you know, asked the following, um, well, it, she really just said, you know, she said, quote, you helped lead the effort to overturn the election results, and the Republicans just booed and one shouted shut up, and we're going to be talking about that one next, um, but it, it, it was accurate, okay, and all Mike Johnson, he just grinned and just said next question, okay. They made it look like, oh, well, you know, that female reporter, how dare she say anything about His Majesty, the American Pope? Why don't we just call him what he thinks he is? Now, the reality, though, is not just a detail. It's true. John, Mike Johnson was integral to well, helping to overthrow the vote. He tried really hard. Um So there were a couple things that happened, and Mike Johnson was involved behind the scenes from the very beginning. Make no mistake about it. You know, when people say, well, most of Trump's supporters are, you know, violent and they're oath-keepers, they're also Christian nationalists. Make no mistake about it. Christian fundamentalists, they see Trump as their flawed David, okay? He's their flawed um, warrior, Okay. They're willing to these are essentially Christian fundamentalists are you know, they're fine with the ends justifying the means. They have no honor. Okay, I'm just gonna say and if they say <clears throat> I'm intolerant, I don't care. I'm saying my I'm using my free speech. So, you know, according to this article, quote his work, Mean Johnson's on Ring Straight From it on behalf of Trump's Otto Golpe, is the primary source of his leadership claim and the central reason he has managed to unify the party. It goes on to say, quote, Trump was broadcasting his intentions to reject any potential defeat months in advance of the voting. Trump's initial focus was delegitimizing emergency measures to allow people to vote safely during the pandemic, end quote. And that's true. Here in my home state of Missouri, you know, it was not too, it was a little bit difficult to get a mail-in ballot. Okay? Okay. All right. So, and it tied in with Trump's COVID policies too. Apparently, you know, remember Trump was pushing the idea that COVID was safe and harmless and, you know, he wanted to get his voters out to cast in-person ballots while making sure that it was almost impossible to get a mail-in or, you know, absentee ballot. And the idea being, then, the other option was to just retroactively throw out mail-in ballots, you know, which, you know, would have been mainly by Democrats. Um, You know, I remember during the height of the pandemic, you know, we found, and we talked about on the show that basically, you know, Trump was slowing down, uh, you know, PPE and vaccines and whatever. Blue states, he was fine with people dying off as long as they were. He he just if they if they were groups that weren't going to vote for him, he was fine with them dying off. Make no mistake about it. Now the votes came in, so the they tried some some different, you know, theories how to get this done. Um, but you know you had Rudy Giuliani. And Sidney Powell and others began circulating these insane claims that the election machinery had been stolen, whatever. Um, There were other Trumpists. They returned to Trump's original plan of, quote, disqualifying mail ballots. And according to this article, quote, Johnson played a central role in this effort. Okay. So according to the article, quote, Johnson, to that point, a relatively obscure right-wing backbencher threw himself behind Trump's election subversion crusade. At first, Johnson endorsed both Trump's old mail fraud claims and his newer voting machine theories. In a friendly radio interview two weeks after the election, he said, Mike Johnson, quote, a lot of us know intuitively there was a lot amiss about this election day. The fact that all these states with Democrat leaders changed the rules in the fourth quarter of the game and the allegations of these voting machines some of them being rigged with the software by Dominion, there is a lot of merit in that. And when the president says the election was rigged, that's what he's talking about, the fix was in. Now, and he goes on to say, quote, in Georgia, it really was rigged. It was set up for the Biden team to win. And he says, quote, when you have a software system that is used across the country that is suspect because it came from Hugo Chavez, Venezuela, when you have testimonials of people like this, but in large numbers, it begs to be litigated and investigated, end quote. Okay. Except that he didn't offer a single scintilla of evidence, not one. Now, the court challenges, citing dominion, vote rigging kept losing. Um, And so this article goes on to say, quote, but as the court challenges, citing dominion, vote rigging continued to lose, Johnson eventually trained his focus on the mail-in ballots. This, he proposed, gave Congress an opening to throw out the results and make Trump president. This bogus argument. Okay, the article, I'm just reading straight from it. The article goes on to say, quote, Leaning on his background as a constitutional lawyer, because he is, he crafted an argument that several states had improperly changed their voting rules in response to the pandemic, thus nullifying the results and allowing the Republican House to select the winner. End quote. I don't know where he's getting his legal reasoning that's not even logical so they changed their voting roles in response to the pandemic. That doesn't necessarily change the outcome doesn't change you know how doesn't change people's minds you know but this is what he's saying. the article goes on to say quote his case stringing together a series of implausible legal claims brought together many Republicans who were queasy at Trump's wild lies and Trump's strongest supporters goes on to say, quote, <coughs> Johnson circulated his case to the party and reminded them that Trump anxiously awaited their support. And as the as New York Times explained in a deeply reported story last year, Johnson's arguments had a singular influence. About three quarters of Republicans supporting Trump's election challenge, the Times noted, quote, relied on the arguments of a low-profile Louisiana congressman, Representative Mike Johnson the most important architect of the Electoral College objections." There it is, right there. Now, um, on December 9th, Johnson tweeted, quote, President Trump called me this morning to let me know how much he appreciates the amicus brief we are filing on behalf of members of Congress. Indeed, this is the big one, end quote. Get real. Mike Johnson was one of the main architects. He is as involved in the Stop the Steal, um, what they call the Stop the Steal uh, controversy, he is as much involved in the effort to take away voting rights from people like me and anyone he disagreed with, he's as much involved as, as John Eastman. So my question is, why isn't Mike Johnson also receiving indictments and facing criminal prosecution? He should be. Okay? But he knew how to keep his head under, under the line of fire. So, you know, and let's face it, this is not just about Mike Johnson. He is a theocrat. He is very dangerous. That way, he despises democracy. And again, besides being a horrible religious bigot who doesn't believe in equal rights for all, he also was intimately involved in the plot to throw throw out the results of the election. As much as John Eastman was, Eastman's facing criminal prosecution. Why isn't Mike Johnson? We keep hammering at this because we should not let this mealy-mouthed religious bigot get away with this. I'm just going to put it out there. But this is even more than Mike Johnson. You know, this particular, and it's not just about Donald Trump. This is about Trumpism. You know, the the, pump was primed. You know, today on Indisputable, I think it was, no, it wasn't, on the Young Turks, um, Dr. Rashad Ritchie pointed out the similarities between Trump and Adolf Hitler and their rise. And he pointed out quite correctly, historically, how, you know, Hitler was involved in politics and he was, prosecuted and sent to prison but they didn't throw the book at him. He got out early, ran again and but he couldn't have implemented all the things he did if the bigotry wasn't already there to start with. This this racism, this homophobia, transphobia, religious bigotry, the misogyny, all of it has already been here for a long time. You know, calls for civility only works if those of us that are the target of these bigots just refuse to defend ourselves, you know, and now they're panicking because we're actually fighting back. But the fact is, this is just as dangerous, and we ignore it at our own peril. This is about tossing democratic rule. It just is. And according to this article, you know, it it mentions how Trump's core belief, you know, is that, quote, democratic election victories are inherently illegitimate. And that this belief has quote triumphed completely, and it's true. It's very, very true. So if you have friends or family that are still giving you this bromide, they don't approve everything Trump did, but they don't like Biden. So you know, they have and they haul, and they won't tell you who they're going to vote for. Newsflash: We're <clears throat> going to vote for Trump then. And we need to do what they would do to us. We need to have a serious talk with them. And if they're still doing that, just say. Okay, then we shun you. You have no friends or family. That's it. Because they are saying that unless we obey and to what they want, which is white, straight, Christian, male supremacy, if we don't bow down to the masters, then our humanity doesn't count. That's what they're saying. And, you know, Mike Johnson, fascism with a smiley face, it's still fascism. And Mr. Johnson should be criminally investigated, and he should be on that defendant's it's just like John Eastman and Jenna Ellis and all the rest of them, because he's just as responsible. Okay? By the way, he was Trump's pick for speaker. Something interesting, isn't it? Okay. So now we're going to talk really quickly, and we're going to talk about this um, in a minute, the issue of competing rights, all right, because it ties into all this, but we're going to take a little break. talking about this in another show. I just wanted to mention it today. Competing rights. You know, you hear these religious fundamentalists scream religious liberty. Everything's their religious liberty. You know, book bans. God forbid their child should see something in a book that they don't agree with. So every child should be deprived of it. Well, this is nonsense. Now, this is um, a little bit of a ditty from The Center for Free, Fair, and Accountable Democracy, and it's on competing rights. And again, I'm just going to read this because I I think it's something that's very, we need to be talking about, all right? Quote, how should a republic deal with competing rights? The phrase competing rights refers to situations where citizens' constitutional and legal rights clash, and there are examples. Quote, is the media publication of personal information the exercise of free speech or infringement on the right to privacy? Two, is the denial of service to a person discrimination or the legitimate exercise of religion? And three, whose free speech should prevail, a controversial speaker at a public event or those determined to shout down that speaker? End quote. And they said you can think of other examples. And we really do need to consider this. You know, that's why when Nazis, you know, were going to speak at a college or something, you saw liberal Jewish lawyers defending their right to free speech. But that doesn't mean we can't denounce them. You know, this is something that people don't understand. <clears throat> and so they call it cancel culture, and it's nonsense. I believe, I don't believe in censorship. So, yeah, if they want to spout off these bigoted things, they can't. But I have the right of rebuttal, and if they want to line cancel culture, you know what? They can go play with the piddle in their diaper for all I care, because it's not what I'm going to continue to do that. And this is a really important point, though, because right now it looks like religious liberty, what they ta- coined this, is basically, you know, stepping all over any other right you have, including a woman's right to control her reproductive future, including you know, a a gay person's right to exist, all right? So, um, I'm just going to read the rest of this quote. Uh, Well, they talk about how these examples are vexing, quote, because the Constitution and its amendments primarily prohibit government infringements on our political and civil rights without governing our individual behavior. The ban on slaveholding and involuntary servitude in the 13th Amendment may be the only exception end quote. And this is important. A lot of Americans, you know, they'll say, well, my employer can't control what I say while I'm on the job. Well, that's not exactly true. Okay? These, these are prohibitions that the government can't do. All right? There are competing interests, so you have to kind of be aware of that. Um, you know, your employer can say, I don't want you mentioning certain things here on the job. Now, when you're on your own time, it's your own business. Okay. Um, now, why does this matter? So they explain that managing conflicts is, you know, a major role for government. Um, and when there's conflicts over various liberties or rights, um, you know, how do you how do you settle them? Seriously. Now. This little short piece talks about two ways lawmakers in the courts have tried to deal with what they call competing rights, okay? Um, I'm going to read the second one first because I don't like it, okay? One method is to come up with, quote, some kind of hierarchy of rights. Some legal theorists refer to this as the preferred position doctrine. Amendment rights priority over all others. This prioritization also seems flawed for example, how could free speech, free press, freedom of religion, free assembly, and the right to petition have value in a republic that does not also vigorously protect voting rights? End quote. It makes sense. So I don't like the idea of hierarchy of rights. I think you know, you know, for someone like Mike John, Johnson, religious liberty to dictate to others would be at the top of the hierarchy. That doesn't work. Now, the first way is to quote try to regulate conflicting rights without taking them away. For example, a controversial speaker might be allowed to proceed in one location while those opposed might be allowed to protest in another location. Yet the First Amendment says, quote, Congress shall make no law abridging freedom of speech. So how could it legitimately be regulated? Mm, good question. So I brought this up because it's something we need to consider. We will be talking about in the future, if not today. All right, so now we're going to move on. All right. Um, we're not going to do My Little Margie today. We didn't get into that. But we are going to talk about our Jackass of the Week, as well as Randy Rainbow's musical stylings, because they both apply to the same person. So let's go first to the Jackass of the Week. Give me a second here.
1: Uh, 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 uh.
0: Welcome to PNN's Jackass of the Week awards.
1: Rayon.
0: <laughs> okay, this week our Jackass of the Week comes from, um, you know, basically Mike Johnson's little fan club, and this is from a another Southern. Representative, Her name's Virginia Fox. She's a white-haired older woman that, that tells the reporter to shut up. You know, when the ABC News reporter, you know, said, but, you know, you were involved in trying to throw out, you know, the votes. And she's like, shut up, shut up. And so I'm going to play this so you can just hear it.
1: Okay, sorry about that. Oops, Can't Okay, here we go
0: okay so you heard her saying shut up shut up okay so she is representative virginia fox of north carolina and you know she really just is something else so we're going to go to her you know, to her um, background here. So let me, I think here's a political piece on her. Give me a second. Oh, this thing's not working. All right, so there was a piece in Politico that was done on Virginia Fox. She's 80 years old, and this is a piece that was written just this past August, okay, a couple months ago. Uh, and this was written by Eleanor Muller and Bianca Quilentan, And it was um, in Politico. The headline reads, quote, she's just a bull. Meet the woman leading the GOP's charge on schools and work. From leading in the classroom to Congress, Virginia Fox is having her moment. Well, I would say based on her behavior, um, she's not the bull. She's the byproduct that comes out of the bull's asshole. Okay, I'm calling her bullshit. Okay. Anyway, um, you know, in case there's some Conservatives listening to, they're not too sharp. Anyway, so this woman has considered herself to be an educator, shamefully so. Um, she jumped into a school board race in 1974. She lost, so then she went on to earn a doctorate in education, served in academia, uh, and then served a decade, I don't know where in academia, doesn't say. Uh, would have been nice if the political reporters had actually, you know, did, done their due diligence. And then she was um, served a decade in the North Carolina State Senate. She's in her 18th year as a member of Congress. Um, you know, to hear Fox say, "quote I feel like I feel like I'm in the right place, at the right time." End quote. Um, She's, you know, things such as a parent's Bill of Rights as well as a bill, quote, restricting transgender student athletes. She also helped build, quote, the conservative case against Joe Biden's labor secretary, Julie Sue. Um, it was former House Speaker John Boehner who said that she's just a bull and she just charges an everyday nonstop from sunup up until way after the sun goes down, end quote. Um, you know, she's been on the House Education Workforce committee um, she's worked hard to basically destroy the Obama administration's educational labor policies during, while Trump was in office she's doing the same you know with you know with the Biden administration and you know this parents Bill of Rights is nonsense parents hold all the rights okay but when they say parents Bill of Rights what they're really saying is that minor that basically white Christian fundamentalist parents can just trample every other parent's rights. You see it with the book bans and everything else. Um, you know, once again, this is the woman and she's yelling, shut up. Um, you know, she's very divisive, obviously. Okay. Uh, so here we go. Um, oh, here it is. One such situation, there was a bill that they were working on. Um, You know, education is not important to her, even though she's got a doctorate, supposedly. Um, There was a 16-hour bill markup this past March, and the Republicans rejected, you know, the Democrats trying to include amendments that, quote, reinforce teaching the history of underrepresented groups in schools. Then a Republican lawmaker tried to add an amendment on teaching about the Holocaust. Okay, so, you know, Ticano asked, quote, and again, this is Representative Mark Ticano, question uh, Virginia Fox saying, well, quote, how are you defining the Holocaust? Are you making sure that it covers not only the six million Jews, but the six million other people that were killed by the Nazis in a systemic way? Would it include homosexuals, the gypsies? That's what Takano's asking, a Democratic colleague. uh, Takano went on to say there was a moment that set off a chain of events where the chairwoman was just like, well, wait a minute. We can't allow everybody. All of a sudden, the news feed went out, you know, just when Fox was losing it, okay? Um, You know, she wants to expand school choice. You know, again, this woman is, you know, truly vile you know, and rude, okay, she does not represent the teaching community at all, you know, but this is our jackass of the week, okay, her shot, we're going to play it one more time so you can hear her in all her glory, Virginia Fox, give it a second, give it a minute, Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right. I like didn't mean to do airheads.
0: <coughs> didn't mean to get the commercial. Sorry, <coughs> folks. <coughs> I'd
1: like to hit Airheads have more fun.
0: Well, Virginia Fox is an airhead. you
1: help me we're going to
0: so that's Virginia Fox in all her glory, so erudite, right? Mm, what a piece of work, okay? So Virginia Fox was so horrible that when I wanted to go to Randy Rainbows, Randy Rainbow stylings, it didn't take long, obviously Representative Virginia Fox, the shut up woman, She's also an incredible Karen. So, Randy Rainbow's video on You're a Karen, although it's talking about Marjorie Taylor Green, seems very appropriate. So, in a second here, Musical Stylings of Randy Rainbow on Other Karens.
2: I know. Whatever. Oh, I'll tell you back. Welcome back. We are joined now by the most hated woman in Washington, the reason it's a bad idea to drink battery acid, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Marjorie, thank you so much and for Virginia being Fox. with us during this difficult time. I understand they just suspended your OnlyFans account.
1: Well, yes, sir. I think it's very concerning. As a matter of fact, I think it's terrifying. I see it as an attack, really.
2: Who gives a shit? You've had a busy few weeks speaking at white nationalist conventions, heckling the president's State of the Union. Tell us, how do you balance your day job as a bigoted, fame-hungry conspiracy theorist with your personal life as a bigoted, hypocritical seditionist and overall threat to civilization?
1: (laughs) As a mom. It's basically impossible because when you become a public figure, as you know, I'm sure, you lose a lot of rights. Tell me about it. I
2: slapped the barista at Starbucks the other day because he gave me oat milk when I asked for almond. And then they wouldn't even give me my rewards points on the order.
1: Well, we have to stand up against the lies, and thank you for pointing that out. It's been unbelievable to me. The CDC has just announced that it's sucking the viral friends of wacky tricks.
2: And there's a new strain of mutations at large Some go by Lauren and others by Marge They somehow spread to Washington, D.C.
1: All through the GOP I don't know who's running the federal government these days uh, Joe Biden or Prince John What's with this thing? She thinks democracy's
2: a game And she's the same
1: so we remember them both by one name. Girl, you're a carrot. You're a carrot. you You're You're But you're a and You appear to be a You're a carrot. You're not Well, I'm sure not you to you're a Girl, are a mess. Here she is, though. The leader of the house. Who's she backing up now? Genghis Khan? She's a nut-up for January 6th and anti she Get all her information from pop-ups and QAnon. Oh, wow. Gosh, that's quite a list. Well, shut up. Get a clue. Go to hell. girls' a carry.
0: Show for today. I hope you learned something. Um, we will be back next Sunday. Again, it just doesn't seem to stop. Um, we have to stay strong and we have to realize that the Trumpism, for lack of a better term, was always here. It just was. Uh, you know, if you recall when Trump first ran in 16, I mean, I was campaigning for Bernie. I eventually voted for Hillary because, again, it was voting against, you know, Trump. But we were in Iowa. We were going all over. And you know what? The Trump voters were very cagey. They refused to say who they were going to vote for. Um, You know, they, you know, Bernie was very pro-labor and pro-working rights. And they still wouldn't say. Well, they wouldn't say because they knew full well that they were going to very quietly vote for Trump. And you saw very few Trump signs, the whole nine yards. Um, so, you know, once again, these are the cow- most cowardly bigots. They've always been here. And we need to make it difficult, you know, for them to terrorize the rest of us. Okay. So if somebody won't answer a simple question as to where they stand on you know, Black Lives Matter, where they stand for the rights of the LGBTQ community, where they stand on rights of a woman to control her reproductive life, and so on and so forth, where they stand on religious rights for anyone who is not a Christian fundamentalist, then guess what? You can pretty much guess where they're at. They're not being polite. They're not being coy. They know they're bigots. And that's the time to write them off. Because you're not going to win them over, it's not going to happen. What they will do is waste your time. I saw that in Iowa. They would just kind of act coy and pretend like maybe they were interested in Bernie. They weren't. They just, it was the game they were playing and, you know, they are not honest people. You know, they're just, they're fine with other people doing their dirty work for them. Again. YOU COULD ARGUE THAT THE CIVIL WAR NEVER TRULY ENDED IN ALL THE ALIGNED BIGOTRIES. IT IS WHAT IT IS. THAT MEANS ALL THE REST OF US HAVE TO STAND TOGETHER. WE MAY NOT AGREE WITH EACH OTHER ON EVERY PROGRESSIVE GOAL, BUT RIGHT NOW WE DON'T HAVE TIME FOR A litmus TEST. WE NEED TO GET OUR PEOPLE TOGETHER, EVEN IF IT'S AN UNEASY ALLIANCE. BECAUSE THE DEMOCRATIC PARTY, THE CORPORATE DEMOCRATIC PARTY, THEY'RE NOT GOING TO PROTECT US. THAT'S RATHER OBVIOUS. The fact that Joe Biden won't step down and let a stronger Democrat run is outrageous. You know, he is kind of the height of white Christian male privilege. I'm sorry, but he is. And the fact is, I remember when Clarence Thomas was up for confirmation to the Supreme Court. And Joe Biden, you know, just literally chewed out anyone who dared say that Clarence Thomas was a sexual harasser. I have never forgotten that. So once again, um, you know, this is what we're dealing with, and Joe Biden needs to let somebody else run, whether it's Raphael Warnock, who's wonderful. My favorite is Katie Porter. She may not be as progressive as some people like, but when that woman gets out her whiteboard, she makes these corporate heads not only look like the liars they are, but she makes them look stupid 10 times over. Okay. She knows how to get things done. But once again, that's my opinion. So anyway, this show, if you like the show, please share it widely on social media. All right, We do this as a public service. So with that, I say good night and God bless us all.